RadioInfluence.com. The future is now. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we are your weekly source for performance information. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. If you want to get in touch with us, reach out. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. You can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Crush. And on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, you can check out Crush Performance, and we're just hooking you up with all the great information. And speaking of great information, today, we are going to step into an impromptu episode of the Crush War on Sugar, sort of a preemptive strike on the series we're putting together for later this fall. It is going to be an incredible deep dive into the Crush War on Sugar as we look at the history of sugar, the timeline and the turning points that have brought us to where we are today with some of the world's top experts. It's going to be a fantastic series. Stay tuned for more information on that. You know how passionate we are about the crush war on sugar. Well, there's people out there who are as passionate and we're going to bring them to you later this fall. Today, I wanted to do a preemptive strike up in Canada. They have just released some important new parameters for the diagnosis, the treatment, the long-term management of obesity in the brand new adult obesity clinical practice guidelines. Now, these guidelines answer a lot of questions that fit right into the whole mold of the crush war on sugar. We know that diet is a big, big problem. We know that lack of exercise is a big, big problem. But one problem we don't talk about is how we're addressing this issue. There's some big questions out there, some very gray areas. Like, for example, are you obese? What exactly does obesity mean? Who's obese? Who's not obese? Who's in danger if they are slightly overweight? And why is BMI, the body mass index, such a terrible number? And it is. It's a terrible number. We should scrap it. Why are we using it so much? And what exactly does it mean? We'll talk about that today. Could you be carrying some extra weight and be perfectly healthy? Could you be incredibly thin and slim on the outside, yet fat on the inside? All these things need to be discussed. Who's at risk? Why? And what are we going to do about it? It sounds like these new guidelines are going to help not just... The average person deal with all these questions and much more. It's also going to help our clinical practitioners, our nurses, our doctors, our healthcare providers with some guidelines, some much more stringent and accurate guidelines that are going to help them deal with this global issue and all of the conditions that go along with obesity, all the health risks and health issues that are associated with obesity. We need better strategies. We need a better understanding. We know, for example, exercise doesn't work when it comes to weight management. It is not an effective tool in weight management. For general health, it is an absolute necessity. Everybody needs to be exercising the right way for them um, regularly. That has to happen. But if you're exercising to control your weight, oh, you are in for one uphill battle. Diet is the key for weight management. You need to understand your diet, you need to understand the food you eat, and you have to limit the sugar. You know how serious we are about good nutrition. You know how serious we are about the crush, war on sugar, just educating, talking about it, getting the message out there that it can be done. Obesity is 100% preventable. We can handle this. Diabetes and all of the health risks that go along with it. Cancers, hypertension, cardiopulmonary, issues. 
all of these issues that are stressing out healthcare systems around the globe. As a matter of fact, if we don't change our ways, every single healthcare program on the planet is on the brink of disaster. And the majority of the stress is coming from obesity related issues. If we can attack this and handle it, better understand it, not only are we going to help so many people out there, we're also going to alleviate some of the financial burden that we're putting on our healthcare systems, which is critically important for taking care of other major issues. And all of this, all of this happening in this incredible COVID-19 coronavirus world that we're living in right now. There's just so much going on. And, and this is a time I think that if there's one thing you can latch onto, you can really start taking care of your health for your mental health for certain take care of your physical health. There's so many cool stories going on uh, around our hometown. There was a 73 year old gentleman that walked every single street in his city. It took him, I don't know how many months he walked 17 kilometers a day, lost 20 pounds. He feels great. And he's going to keep going. He wants to get, I think 1 million steps or 2 million steps on his, on his Fitbit. Fantastic stuff going on. He said he's never felt better. And he's just taken up from the day COVID hit, from the day the shutdown hit, he started walking that very day. Story that just came out last week around my hometown. I'll put the link up to that on our website, crushperformance.com. But, but so important. And here's another thing that's going on. Speaking of, of mental health, you know, I have a, our youngest daughter's going into her senior year in high school, the graduation year, grade 12. We all know how important that is. For some of us, it wasn't a big deal, but for some kids, it, it's a big deal. I've never seen kids wanting to get back to school like kids are today, especially for the older kids. And I feel for these kids. I feel for the high school kids, especially the grade 11 and 12s who are losing some critical, critical times in their lives. Not to put more stress on it. There, there's ways to around it. There's things we need to do, but we need to talk about it. So my daughter's school just released their uh, reintegration plan, the return to school plan. And I'm telling you what, guys, Oh boy, I just, I feel, and of course, because course, she's, she's my daughter, I feel, just, my heart is broken, not just for her, but for all kids, the college kids. And I'm not talking first, second, or maybe even third year kids. I'm talking about graduating kids, third year, fourth year kids and four year degrees. I'm talking about those kids. My daughter, um, last year, uh, graduated from university. What a time to celebrate. Of course, shut down. And she missed her graduation like so many other kids did. I can't tell you how how much I feel for this generation and, and so much so that stay tuned because if things come together in the next week or two we're going to dedicate a show to this very topic because it has to be talked about I have to talk about it um, for my daughter's sake but also as a parent but as a coach and as a performance person you know we look at these college kids who missed um, March Madness last year or the kids that are missing the opportunity to get that college scholarship or, or sign that professional contract or get on that national team and go to the Olympics to represent your country. So many things have been impacted by this COVID, but I have not seen a generation impacted like this generation. So coming up in the next couple of weeks, there'll be an episode. It's going to be titled Class C, the kids of COVID. And this show is going to be dedicated to the grade 11 and 12s to the college kids out there, to the young professionals who are in sport and, and chasing down their dreams out there, no matter what it is. 
who are having to change their master plan. And this is a strong message. It's just going to be a change, everybody. Things will return. It might be a little bit different. I think on the other side of this, things are going to be better. We've got a knowledge now that we've never had before. We have tendencies and habits now that we've never had before. All right, we've had this incredible downtime, but we have to figure out how to take advantage of it. And it's not easy. There's nothing I can say to my daughter right now. When you look at the guidelines they have for this new school structure, these kids don't even want to go back to school. And, and I'm not sure I would either. But let's talk about that's coming up. It's called Class C, the kids of COVID coming up in the next few weeks. Um, just another thing we've got to work through. Like everything else, there's not much we can accomplish, people, if we just truly understand the issues at hand. We're going to have some experts from virtually every angle of the coronavirus world that we're living in, talking about what our young people are experiencing. We're going to talk to some young people. We're going to talk to some high school seniors to find out what they're experiencing. We're going to talk to some college athletes. We're going to talk to some young professional athletes working their way through the minors to the pros to see how they're adjusting in this new landscape and how it's impacting them. We're going to talk to agents. We're going to talk to parents. We're going to talk to teachers. And if you would like to send us a message, let us know how is COVID impacting you? How have you dealt with it? Or how have you not dealt with it? How much trouble are you having dealing with this? Let's talk about it. We're going to have psychologists on talking about the, the impact on the mental side of the coronavirus shutdown and some of the things that we're going to need to be aware of as we move forward through this thing and getting to the other side. There's another pandemic happening inside of this pandemic, and that's the mental health of our youth. I am worried about it, and that's why we're going to dedicate a show to it. Write to us, crushperformance.com, info at crushperformance. If you'd like to come on the show uh, and, and voice your concerns or your opinions or share how you're coping, let's hear about it, man. We got to get through this together. Write to me, info at crushperformance.com. That's crush with a K. And let's set this up. It's coming up in the next few weeks. And if we need to dedicate three shows to this, we're going to do it. Message me, send me your messages. And if you want to come on the show and voice your opinions, let me know. We're going to try to get as many people on as possible. I'm really looking forward to it. For today, let's get back to the Crush Warren Sugar. Coming up right after the break, we're talking to Dr. Arya Sharma about the new adult obesity clinical practice guidelines. They're going to help move us forward in our fight against obesity and the Crush Warren Sugar right after this. Stick around, everybody. This is Crush Performance. If you have questions, comments, or smart remarks, write to us at crushperformance.com. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Thanks for sticking around over the break. Listen, if you have any questions, comments, smart remarks, get to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is the email. Write to us. Coming up in the next few weeks, we're dedicating an episode to those who have been impacted by the coronavirus, the coronavirus shutdown. We all know how serious this virus is. We all know somebody who has lost somebody due to this virus. We've also seen the implications of it uh, in our society as we've been shut down. And there are things happening behind the scenes that we need to talk about. We're talking about mental health. We're talking about our youth. And what are the implications of this massive shutdown moving forward? Well, if you have a young person in your house, you've seen them. Um, stripped away from all of their activities, away from their friends, away from their lives in general. We've all been impacted here. And it's something we want to talk about. So to help everybody through this, heck, to help ourselves through this, 
we're going to air an episode called Class C, the kids of COVID. We're going to focus the conversations more on the seniors in high school, the grade 11, grade 12 kids who are going into their final years, who are you know getting set to go to the next phase of their life. It's a massive transition in, in our society anyway. And it's an important time that's going to be very, very different for this generation. We're also going to talk about the college kids, the college athletes, and how we're going to have to adjust our thinking and our mindset in this new landscape. And there's strategies out there that we can consider. And we're going to talk with experts from all different angles to get a better understanding of what we can do and also what some of the ramifications that we need to be aware of in terms of the kickback from the shutdown. I think it's going to be great for everybody. And as I said in the last segment, if you, if you want to share your experiences, write to us. If you're a parent, if you're a young athlete, if you're a young student, my daughter's going into grade 12. She's going to miss, and she's a drama kid. She's going to, there's not going to be a high school play this year in her senior year. So these are important conversations to have. We want to hear from you. We're going to have high school students on. We're going to have young professional athletes. We're going to talk to coaches, agents. We're going to talk to psychologists. We're going to talk to as many people as possible. And I would personally love to hear from you. How is it? How has it been impacting you? How have you been dealing with it? Have you figured out a strategy that's really helped you out? Let's share it. Let's use the platform. Let's use the Crush Performance platform to help each other out here because this is a trying, trying time. And sometimes talking about it and sharing information can be incredibly helpful. We've seen it before on the show and I think we're going to see it again. It's called Class C, the kids of COVID. Whew, I get pretty emotional thinking of this one, uh, but it's an important show coming up. This today, also an important show, the Crush War on Sugar, talking about obesity coming out of Canada. Brand new adult obesity clinical practice guidelines concerning the crush war and sugar. I love this. Whatever we've been doing hasn't been working. Obesity rates on the rise. Childhood obesity on the rise. Diabetes, Alzheimer's, every single health issue related to obesity on the rise. Whatever we're doing is not working. Potentially, we need to start rethinking how we think about obesity. The new guidelines coming out of Canada here, you can go to obesitycanada.ca to check out the new guidelines. Strong, strong messages for people living with obesity. They're redefining it. Have we been thinking about it the wrong way? Well, yes, we have. There's no question about it. Our doctors have potentially as well. New guidelines for practitioners. So strong messages here for those dealing with obesity. Strong messages for the clinical practitioners who are tr trying to or supposed to be helping people deal with it. It's not your fault. If you've been living with overweight or obesity, let's get a better understanding of what's really going on. And to help shed some light on this very topic, we are joined now by Dr. Arya Sharma, Professor of Medicine and past Chair in Obesity Research and Management at the University of Alberta and the Founder and Scientific Director at Obesity Canada. Dr. Sharma, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks, Jeff, for having me. Well, it's a very, uh, I think, exciting time in the world of dealing and battling obesity and dealing with obesity as there are some new guidelines that have come down that are going to help direct how we attack this monster that's been plaguing our society for some time. Um, I saw your tweet earlier today, and it, it really caught my attention as you sort of were mentioning uh, how important this is going to be moving forward. Well, yep, the guidelines came out uh, from Obesity Canada that were published in the Canadian Medical Association Journal on Tuesday. 
uh, and we've had a lot of attention because there's a lot of things in these guidelines that are very different from previous guidelines. Uh, you know, and it starts with the definition of obesity. So some of your listeners might know that in the past, we've always looked at, you know, numbers on the scale and body mass index as a way to define, you know, obesity. Uh, and if you were above a certain number, you had obesity. And if you were below a certain number, you didn't. And that has been pretty much abandoned in the new guidelines because that never really made a lot of sense. Uh, so what the new guidelines tell you in terms of who has obesity and who doesn't, the question is actually pretty simple. If your body fat is affecting your health and well-being, uh, you have a medical condition, and that medical condition is called obesity. Uh, if you've got body fat that's not affecting you, and in fact, you're maybe even quite happy about it, it doesn't disturb you, you don't have any, any health problems from it, well, then it really doesn't matter how big you are, you don't have obesity. So that's a whole deviation from the numbers on the scale nonsense to you know, you know, making this a health-based definition because you want to be very careful when you say obesity is a chronic disease. You don't want to be labeling people with having a disease who are actually perfectly healthy. Uh, and that's a very, very good point because those numbers can be incredibly misleading, uh, can't they? Especially if you start digging down to some of the deeper meanings or ramifications of being uh, maybe um, – uh, I guess, identified as chronically obese, it can get a, to be a pretty dark, dark place. Well, you know, the numbers don't mean much because, you know, the number, it's weight and height, right? And, uh, you know, it doesn't tell me anything about your body composition. Uh, you know, most guys who work out regularly will probably be clocking in, at, you know, at weights that, you know, they look it up on a table and suddenly they find out they have obesity. That's nonsense. Uh, and it's always been nonsense, and we've always said it's nonsense, but it's taken a long time to change those guidelines, and we're very happy that the new guidelines now, there's a whole new definition of obesity. It's funny you mention that, Dr. Sharma, because um, I recently, I think about a year ago, just under a year ago, I had to go through an insurance assessment, right? So, of course, I had to do all my my health an analysis for my for my life insurance and, and all my insurance policies and everything, and they went by um, the <laughs> body mass index. Now, get this. I'm 5'10". I'm about 200 and 220 pounds right around there on, on, on average. And, uh, I am not even close to being like overweight or heavy. I'm just, you know, just sort of that short stocky build, but it put me into such a high risk, um, area. My insurance was off the charts. I argued to no end with them, uh, but they were just playing by the numbers, which, which is incredibly unfair. Well, absolutely. And so hopefully the guidelines are going to change that. But, you know, the guidelines, there's lots of stuff in the guidelines that's, that's very different from previous guidelines. I mean, for one, you know, what we clearly say in the guidelines, when you use a new definition, uh, you know, which unfortunately, when you apply this definition, you know, we, we end up with about eight or nine million people living in Canada right now who have obesity. Uh, so it's a lot of people. But what, what we've also learned about obesity is that once you get it, and it really doesn't matter why you get it, and we can talk about why people might get obesity and, uh, you know, you know why life is unfair, and et cetera. Uh, but the problem is once your body puts the weight on, it always, always becomes a lifelong problem. Uh, you know, and this has to do with, you know, the way I, I explain this to my patients is that, you know, bodies like putting on weight. They don't like losing it. Uh, and when you try to get your body to lose weight, it's going to fight you. It's going to fight you every inch of the way. Uh, sooner or later, you're going to hit that weight loss plateau. You're still doing all the exercise you want. You're still restricting your calories. You're doing everything, but your body is just not, you know, you're just not going to lose any more weight uh, because you've hit that plateau. That's your body fighting back. Your body is saying enough is enough, you know, enough of this nonsense. Uh, and it starts fighting you back. Now, the mechanism, now we understand the mechanisms that the body has in order to defend itself against weight loss. Uh, those exact same mechanisms 
then make it very, very easy for you to put all of the weight back on, which is what everybody does. You know, everybody goes on these diets and they're proud of themselves because they lost 40 pounds or 50 pounds in a month or whatever. Uh, next thing they know, all the weight's back and sometimes even more. Uh, and then they blame themselves. But that's, the, you know, there's nothing to blame. That's just how bodies work. You know what? If I put my cat on a diet or my dog on a diet, it's going to be the exact same story because that's how bodies work. Bodies do not like to lose weight. And they got a whole bag of tricks that are going to work against you as you try to get the weight down. And the minute you stop doing what you're doing, I don't care what, what you might be doing, that weight's going to start creeping back up. And that's what makes this a chronic condition. So, uh, you know, your body really doesn't care how you got to obesity in the first place. There's lots of different reasons why people might gain weight. can happen to anybody, can happen to anybody at any time. Uh, and when it happens, you know, those pounds are going to stick with you. Your body's just going to defend its that higher body fat, whether you like it or not. Yeah, interesting. We're talking with Dr. Arya Sharma, the founder and scientific director of Obesity Canada. Dr. Sharma, um, you know, you mentioned the um the the weight coming back in that fantastic TED talk you had a few years back. You mentioned that 19 out of 20 people who lose weight will put it back on. And as you mentioned there, sometimes it's worse. How important is it for the patient, the doctor, the healthcare system, and the support structure around a person? To understand why you mentioned a couple of times already, it doesn't matter how or how it happened. It's just a matter that it's there and we got to deal with it. But um, um, you also mentioned that there's a number of reasons why it happens. How important is that for maybe the patient to understand why it's happening? Because uh, I think a lot of people kind of blame themselves when the there's really no blame to be laid here. No, but that, there isn't, and that's why it's so important to understand this. Because what this really means is that any you know anything that you cannot keep doing for the rest of your life. And I'm going to have to stop doing it at some point. You know, you know, often people use exercise, you know, then they get an injury. Now they can't exercise anymore. Right. So guess what? Uh, you know, they were successfully been keeping the weight off for 10 years. And now next thing they know, six months later, the weight's back. So when you find an obesity treatment or a way to control your obesity, you've got to make sure that whatever whatever technique you're using, whatever diet you're using, whatever exercise program you're using, maybe even whatever medication you're on that's helping you or whatever kind of bariatric surgery you're having. It's got to be something that you can keep doing for life because the day you stop doing it, the weight's going to start coming back. Mm -hmm. That's just how bodies work, okay? And so that totally changes this whole concept of, you know, what I call binge dieting, right? When people, you know, you know, have to – and a lot of people who are into sports, you know, all these sports where you have to be a certain weight at a certain time, you know, in order to change category and whatnot. So these guys are – you know, the weights are going up and down, up and down. There's lots of experience about that. Uh, you know, bodies do not like to – they don't like you messing with their weight. It's that simple. Yeah, we're talking with Dr. Arya Sharma, professor of medicine and past chair of the obesity research and management at the U of A. Um, you know, some of the numbers that, that are out there, you talk about the obesity rates in Canada around 30% right now, 42% uh, in our neighbors south of the border. And uh, those are big numbers. Uh, but but I really like this new sort of a way of looking at obesity. Uh, it's not so much uh, of a number on a scale or a number coming off a chart. Is is your body fat impairing your health? Dr. Sharma, that's an that's a very important uh, new approach to handling this. Well, you know, and a lot of people don't like it because it makes life complicated. Because now the only way that you can actually tell whether or not you have obesity is you've got to go to your doctor's office. And he's going to have to do a physical exam. He's going to have to ask you questions. He's going to have to run a whole bunch of lab tests. He's going to take your blood pressure. He's going to maybe send you to a sleep lab to check if you have sleep apnea or not. So now the whole thing becomes pretty complicated. Uh, and so a lot of people don't like it. You know, so, you know, the good old days, we had a number. You could look it up on a chart. Everybody could self-diagnose. Uh, now it's not that simple anymore. So some people don't like it. But from a clinical perspective on who do I treat, who do I not treat, 
uh, it makes a lot more sense to me at least. Well, for the doctors out there as well who might not have your expertise and and background, um, these new guidelines are, I can see them being very, very helpful in how they assist their patients in moving forward, passing them on to an expert or encouraging them to see a certain person. And I think that's a really part of, an important part of this as well, is the impact it's going to have on our medical systems. Well, well, let me tell you what else is going to have a big impact. There's a whole chapter here, and this is a course for guidelines on obesity. You know, we know that there's a lot of you know, we live in this fat phobic society where, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of look down on people who carry a couple of extra pounds and people who carry three extra pounds look down upon themselves as being weak or not so smart or not motivated or not enough willpower. Et cetera. There's all these negative stereotypes about people living with, you know, people living in larger bodies. Uh, and unfortunately, those stereotypes also apply to people working in the health profession. Right. And so you can hear all these stories about patients going to see their doctor. And then the doctor's wagging their finger at them. There's a lot of shaming and blaming and assumptions being made. Uh, and essentially, that is not how you build a constructive, you know, therapeutic relationship with your patient. Because what happens? You know, if I go to my doctor and, the, and my doctor is shaming and blaming me, well, I'm not going back. Uh, and so uh, what the guidelines say is, you know, doctors need to check their own biases and their own judgment. And, and leave judgment out of it. It's not about judging people, Right. Because you know what? If you look at half the guys in our hospital, you could argue that some of those guys should have done things differently. They won't be here. Uh, that applies to a lot of conditions, right? So it's not just obesity. So it's not my place as a doctor to be judging anybody about anything. My job is to see what's the situation, what's causing it, and what can we do about it. And, that's, and then I try to help my patient. And I want to have a constructive relationship because I need my patient to come back because this is a long-term problem. We're not going to fix it with one visit. And so it's really important for doctors to recognize whether they are actually have weight bias. And that starts with the language you use. And that's, you know, it's the body language and it's the, the words that you use and the way you approach it. Because you want to be supportive of the patient. You don't want to go have the patient leaving your office feeling bad about themselves. Because I can tell you, they're going straight to grab the next donut because that's what people do when they don't feel great about themselves. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Dr. Sharma. And, you know, I'm really encouraged and very interested in this five-stage system that has been developed here. Maybe talk to us a bit about that because I think this is really going to simplify things. Yeah, well, again, you know, well, you know, nothing is simpler than stepping on the scale and looking up something up on the table. So True everything enough. is more complicated than that. Uh, but it is simple in the sense that, uh, you know, when somebody comes to my office with obesity, I got to make a few decisions. My first decision is, does this guy even have obesity, right? So I run a bunch of tests and I say, okay, he's got a problem. Now the problem, now, now the decision is, well, how severe is the problem? Because that's going to dictate on what kind of treatments am I going to, am, am I just going to give the guy a diet plan and an exercise plan? Or do I say, you know, maybe he's got to go sit down with a psychologist. Maybe this is some guy I need to, you know, give prescription medications. Uh, maybe there's some guy I need to send to my, my colleague down, this, you know, you know, down a couple of offices who's the bariatric surgeon. So to make that decision, I need to I need to know what the health status is of this patient. Like what's the problem that I'm trying to fix here? And that's where the Edmonton obesity staging system, which is a five-point system where you know the higher your score, the sicker you are. Uh, and funnily enough, that doesn't have a lot to do with BMI. So you can have two guys, they got the same BMI number 35. One guy's got sleep apnea, diabetes, fatty liver disease, reflux disease, you know. You know, he's got backache and knees are hurting and whatnot. And you got the next guy. He's also got a BMI of 35 and he's got none of those problems. So so based on BMI, you look at both of them and say, well, both of them have, you know, class two obesity, but they're totally different. Now, based on the Edmonton obesity staging system, 
you know, the second guy is a stage zero. The first guy is a stage two. Now that's different, right? The second guy, right. I'm, I'm really going to be thinking about what, what can I do to help this fellow? The other guy I'm going to send away and I say, you know what? You know, if you can stay at this weight and if you can stay healthy and you can come back in a year, you're still stage zero. Well, then good for you. Right. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And that being said, we know if it gets too far, people tend to wait a little bit, especially in today's landscape, as you say, with the with the judgment issues that we have and and, and some of the issues out there that, that uh, overweight people might face. Um, don't wait. I mean, that's maybe the key here. Don't wait till it gets to a point where you're too late. So when 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 should people get in to see the experts? I uh, maybe that's the next question here. Well, it starts, you know, it starts when you think that, you know, that, that, that there might be a chance that your body weight is affecting your health. Now, here's the, here, here's the interesting thing. You know, the guy, you know, we know guys don't like to go to see doctors. Yeah. So they always wait till the last minute. I look at my own patients, you know, I got the women coming in, you know, they got a little bit of something and they're already there in my office, uh, you know, seeking help. The guys don't come in, you know, they come in on stretchers because those guys never go into see a doctor, uh, especially not for something like obesity, because, you know, obesity, worrying about your weight, you know, that's a woman's thing, right? Uh, that's, those are the kind of biases when, in fact, in the population, it's exactly 50-50. You know, half my clinic should be, should be men, but it's not. It's only about 20% men. So where are all the missing guys who are running around with obesity outside who think they're healthy when they're not? Uh, and the last thing that comes to mind is go, go talk to your doctor about it. So we have a, you know, there's, there's a, we talk about the, you know, sort of the gender gap here. And it's, 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 you know, it's really bad for the guys. The guys out there, they come at the last minute. Most of the guys who come into an obesity clinic, they're already stage two. Some of those guys are at stage three. The women, they're still at stage one and two. So, you know, it's, so, so it's really important that guys take this seriously uh, because, you know, we're talking about a significant risk you know, for heart disease, for fatty liver disease, for a whole bunch of other problems that can happen if you, if, if you, you know, let things get away with you here. Yeah. And if you get at it early enough, like everything else, a lot of that is avoidable, right, Dr. Sharma? Well, you know, of course, you know, every chronic disease, you try to prevent it. But here's yeah. the thing with prevention. As I mentioned earlier, you know, obesity can happen to anybody. I mean, you can be the fittest guy on the planet. You know, you've always, you've always been thin and skinny and you've, you know, you've done everything right. You've always exercised. I don't know, you did varsity sports. You, you know, you were, uh, you know, you're always on watching what you eat. And then, you know, and then stuff happens. You get into a car accident, you get rear-ended, you get whiplash. Maybe you get, you know, uh, suddenly you can't exercise anymore. Suddenly you got chronic pain. Suddenly you got a little bit of depression going on. Uh, maybe you can't work in your job anymore. Maybe, you know, and next thing you know, you've gained 50 pounds, right? And so, so all that being healthy, you know, all your life really hasn't served you much. So, right. and, and we yeah. see this happening all the time. I mean, you won't believe how many, how many high performance athletes I have in my clinic, you know, and they'll, you know, I got figure skaters in my clinic. You know, I got people who were, who were, who were, you know, basically they were the highest level athletes always been fit. You know, they got a whole, whole shelf full of, you know, you know, medals and whatnot. And now they're sitting here at, you know, 250 pounds in my clinic or 300 pounds in my clinic, wondering what happened. So I, I don't want any of your listeners thinking that just because they they think they've got a handle on this thing now that they're never going to get obesity. Obesity can, ha can happen to anybody at any time at any age. Agreed. And, and, and that makes that makes the whole prevention stuff so difficult, right? Because, you know, you've done everything right. You've always been active. You've always watched everything. You've done everything the prevention guys told you to do. You cut the sugar, you you know, and, and something happens and you still end up in my clinic. 
Right. And that's why conversations like this and the new guidelines are so, so important, bridging the gaps of knowledge between obesity research, educating people, prevention, and of course, then treatment as well, which is a big part of it. Dr. Sharma, such important work. Hey, thank, thank you for your time today. And, and we'll look forward to maybe catching up uh, in, a, in a couple of months to see how things are actually rolling out and, and affecting the population out there. Perfect. Look forward to that. Great talking to you. Thank you. And there you go, everybody. Fantastic conversation, all right? New guidelines, a new way of thinking about obesity, and most importantly, some really good ideas for our clinical practitioners, our doctors, our healthcare providers, even our personal trainers and health and fitness staff. Um, what an interesting perspective coming out of Canada. Um, very progressive and very timely, especially when we look at the numbers. And Dr. Sharma said a lot of very, very interesting things in this interview in terms of how we should be thinking about obesity. We haven't been looking at it the right way. And it certainly sounds like we haven't been treating it properly. I like these new treatment guidelines. I like this whole new approach. I think it's gonna help a lot of people, but it's also gonna be very effective for long-term management because it's a long game, as Dr. Sharma said. It's not just this, it's not this yo-yo effect. It's not lose the weight and, 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 and keep it off. It's figure out a way to get healthy and stay healthy. And having some extra weight doesn't necessarily mean you're not healthy. This is a strong message here. And just because you're thin and not carrying extra weight doesn't mean you're not healthy. Some incredible numbers coming out of this conversation as well. Wow, what a great perspective. Some good stuff coming out of Canada. And again, right in line with the Crush War on Sugar. Listen, coming up this fall, we are going to do an expose, a Crush War on Sugar expose, talking with some of the world's leading people when it comes to the impact of sugar. We're gonna look at the timeline. We're gonna look at the turning points. We're gonna look at where we are, and we're also gonna discuss what we need to do. Now understand, the crush war on sugar isn't just about sugar. But if we're gonna look at the low-hanging fruit that, that has the potential to help almost everybody out there, limit the amount of sugar that you consume every single day. That's something good. That's something really good. Now, get some regular exercise on top of that, that's also something really good, something really, really good. And when you combine those two things, now there's good things happening. It starts slow and we need to start slow. And I think we need to start with an understanding. So I wanna thank Dr. Arya Sharma. You can check out his good work at drsharma.ca. Again, you can go back and check those new guidelines, the new adult obesity clinical practice guidelines at obesitycanada.ca. We're going to be posting uh, the link to that here uh, this week. So you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush. Check our Facebook, Instagram, YouTube channels. Uh, just search out Crush Performance and we'll hook you up there. But those guidelines are out there and there are strong messages there. And also on those websites, tons of information. And it goes well beyond obesity, just healthy, healthy living stuff. And where, when there's this kind of conversations for healthy living, there is a there's a close connection to human performance as well. That's one thing we've learned through the crush war on sugar. You can't have human performance unless you have a great foundation, unless you're working off of a great foundation. And uh, there's lots of people out there who, who could use that help. So uh, I want to thank Dr. Sharma for that and everybody out there who's working on this new perspective. Absolutely love it. All right, we have some great shows coming up here. Again, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be diving into the Crush War and Sugar this fall with some of the great researchers and trendsetters when it comes to health and wellness and awareness. 
when it comes to sugar and just nutrition in general. We'll be talking again, of course, to our favorite, Dr. Anne Deweese Allen, will join us again as we embark on a series with her talking about the impact of food on health and human performance. That's what it's all about. So stay tuned for that coming up in the next couple of weeks. And we're not going to do this until we have it right, but we're already putting together the interviews and connecting with people. Class C, the kids of COVID, looking at our high school seniors, our college seniors, our graduating classes, looking at our athletes who are just on the precipice of breaking into the next level. What are they going through? What are the implications here? We're going to talk to experts from every angle. And again, we want to hear from you. How have you been dealing with the shutdown? If you have athletes, kids, high school kids at home, if you are a high school kid, write to us. Let us know. We're going to have high school students on the show. We're going to have high school age and and, and college athletes on the show. We're going to have agents. We're going to have psychologists. We're going to be talking to everybody we possibly can to better understand what this shutdown is meant to people and how it's impacted people. And again, keeping in mind all of those people who unfortunately have lost loved ones because of the COVID virus. Our hearts go out to the the families and friends of everybody that we've lost globally. It's an absolute travesty. Uh, But there's also uh, another pandemic brewing within this pandemic, and it could be a mental health pandemic. We're going to talk about that coming up. So please participate. Write to us. Info at Crush Performance on that one. And then also this fall, the brain, the brain game. You know that we have four priorities in our programs right now. Sleep being number one. Sleep, rest, and recovery is our number one performance priority in the Crush programs. Nutrition and hydration, a very close and important number two, but number two nonetheless. Number three, posture, range of motion. Make sure you're functioning properly. If you're going to tap into your next level of performance and then teach movement, those are our staunch four top priorities for setting people up for success in sport. Now, should there be a fifth? Should we include the brain and everything that encompasses in our top priorities? Oh boy, it's a big discussion. And we're going to dedicate a number of shows coming up this fall to our analysis of whether the brain should be one of the crush top performance priorities. I think you guys know how we're leaning here. If it does become a top priority, there will now be five. We started with three originally years ago. Isn't it incredible how your thinking changes as you mature and learn? Oh man, it's a beautiful process. But we started out years and years ago with three top priorities, three things that must be addressed first and foremost if we're going to tap into human potential. Nutrition, hydration, posture, range of motion. Then we have to teach our athletes how to move properly. If we're truly, truly going to tap into skill acquisition and talent development, they have to be able to move properly. Those were our top three. And then, of course, shortly after that, number four came. The fourth parameter or factor was rest and recovery and sleep. That quickly became our number one, first and foremost. If we don't have our sleep in order, here's what we know. Nothing else matters. And that's why it's number one. Rest and recovery strategies in terms of planning your programming and recovery from your training and exercise and competitions, incredibly important. And without those, nothing else matters. How uh, hydration and nutrition support all of that. Posture, range of motion support all of that. Movement is going to be maximized because of those other four. But now the question is, where does the brain fall in? And I'm not just talking about the mental game. I'm not just talking about psychology. I'm talking about vision, the senses, 
brain speed, decision-making, reaction time, cognitive function. Oh boy, it's a big one. And we're going to dedicate a number of shows. Let us know what you think. Should the brain be a top performance priority? And when we talk about the top performance priorities, we're talking about things that have to be addressed. If over a long haul, in the long game of athlete development, we're truly going to find out how good you can become. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope that's clear. That's kind of how we think about it. If we take an organization or an athlete into the fold, the first thing we look at is how are you addressing sleep, rest, and recovery in terms of your daily, weekly, monthly, annual planning? And then how are you addressing hydration and nutrition on a daily basis, a 24-hour basis? And then we look at posture and range of motion, setting the athletes up for success, balance. And then we look at the stresses of support, of, of, sorry, the stresses of the sport on posture and range of motion. All these one-sided sports, and there's virtually every one of them have a, a lopsided stress to the body, especially the one-sided sports like tennis, for example, or baseball is a really good one. You can go to curling or quarterbacks. Every sport that has a dominant side tendency, you're going to see muscular and skeletal asymmetries develop over time. And if those get too out of balance, not only do you not function well, but you're at a much higher risk for injury. So that has to be addressed. That's why posture and range of motion is our number three priority. And then movement. I don't care how much you practice your sport. I don't care how much time you spend competing or working on your skill set. If you can't move properly, I don't care how strong you are. If you cannot move properly, if you don't understand the true concepts of movement, boy, oh boy, you got a long ways to go. I don't think it's possible to tap into your potential. And that's why movement is our number four priority. And it has to be addressed before we get into the technical, tactical, and skill development of our athletes. And not just for a sport either. A lot of this has to do uh, with, with implications outside of sport, just healthy living. You know, it might be our military or our first responders. Very similar models, right? But then there's the brain. And we kind of always thought of the brain as not an afterthought, no pun intended, not an afterthought at all. But it was something that once those other four parameters in place, we could attack the mental game if that's something a particular athlete needed. We were kind of thinking, okay, we, the mental game was one of our foundations of development. It wasn't a top four priority, uh, but the mental game was something that, you know, you could address if you needed to address. An athlete has anxiety or depression. That's serious stuff and it needs to be addressed properly. Um, um, an athlete might have um, anxiousness or uh, lack of concentration or I don't know. There's so many things it could be, but we thought, boy, we can address that once we've got all our house in order. We can attack that stuff if it needs if it needs to be addressed. Not every athlete needs that. Every athlete needs sleep, rest, and recovery. Every athlete needs hydration, nutrition. Every athlete needs posture, range of motion. Every single athlete on the planet needs to learn how to move properly. Most of them don't, and they're still good. Oh my gosh, we've taken 10-year veterans of sport, taught them how to move, and they just get better. It's incredible. I love it. Start this at a younger age. Oh, now we should really truly start tapping into potential. But is it possible that every single athlete needs a brain game? Ooh, we're going to get to the bottom of it coming up in the next few uh, weeks in Crush Performance. I want to thank you guys for tuning in this week. 
I want to thank Dr. Sharma for all of his great input and all the work they're doing up there for changing our mindset. Again, it fits right in with the parameters of the crush war on sugar. And that'll do it for this week. So now get out there, everybody. Go get better. And we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. This is a place for my head quick fix on Radio Influence. As stressful as it is for you, sit down and talk to your kids about what's going on. You know, make sure they're in a good place. Make sure mentally, you know, that they're they're strong and they're hanging in there as, as well as you want them to. Because... You know, a lot of kids don't know how to express when they're stressed out and, you know, not not dealing with things as well as they need to be. Um, and they don't understand what they're what they're feeling. Right. I can't I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. So if they don't understand if, what. If it, yeah, if, yeah. If they don't understand what they're feeling and they don't understand what's going on. How do you how do you want them to stay sane in this this crazy ass time? We all have to remember Depression and all that stuff and mental illness is 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 not a choice. It's a, it's 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 a disease and it's dangerous. And kids that have it early on, um, I guess, like myself, if that's true, uh, don't know what to do with it until it becomes too late or too much of an issue. So you know, I, I'd just be really cognizant of that and pay attention to what's going on and talk to your kids and if they're five or if they're twelve or if they're eighteen. Same thing. Like, talk to them. Yeah. Figure out what's going on. Make sure they're good. A Place for My Head with Brandon Thompson and Jerry P. Tuck can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>